Hey there, this is Brian Barney getting out another Elevated DIY podcast. So on today's episode, gosh, I just wanted to talk, you know, kind of all things elk hunting. I just just returned from this epic trip elk hunting and I, you know, I was gone all year. I did this Alaska trip and so, um, you know, I really had to put off my elk hunting till October, which just kills me. Elk hunting is, is some of my favorite hunting to do, but, but finally here it came time and and uh, I had a week planned or I had, well actually I had 10 days planned to go elk hunting and and try to kill my bull and I had a special tag it's uh in the the breaks country in Montana which I have just fallen in love with I mean I love hunting the mountains for these elk but this special tag you know if you get this man the populations are really high and a lot of nice six points running around and and uh, so I've just got hooked on hunting this country over there and so I had a tag this year and and uh, I pitched the idea to Eastman's that, hey, you know, I think we should video this hunt. I think it would just be an awesome story to tell, you know, that we could get out to everybody and show some really good elk hunting on public lands. And so, um, you know, Guy and Ike said, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea, Brian. And so they, they set me up and we had a tough time finding a cameraman for this. Just everybody's booked up that, that I knew about and that they knew about. And so... Um, Finally, we ended up, uh, well, there's this kid, this young kid named Dalton uh, Bueller. He lives, he's 21 years old and lives in Wyoming. And he, he kind of grew up around the Eastman's crew there. Scott Reekers that works for Eastman's kind of mentored him, you know, through younger years and took him hunting and showed him things. And so he's just a young go-getting kid and he's still in college. And he took this, this whole semester off just so he could video hunts for Eastman's. And so he hadn't got a kill shot yet on film and and uh been on a couple hunts or whatever a little bit of experience and then you know some hunting of his own and he's a he's a bow hunter he just did this backcountry hunt with guy where they went to colorado where they hunted elk like at above twelve thousand feet so um anyways they lined me up with dalton and so we made plans to meet and 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 you know it's it's nobody's fault, but I got this surprise when I showed up. So I had got all all this extra gas in my truck and food for 10 days and had everything planned out where I was going to hunt and how I was going to do this hunt. And uh, I, I I texted Dalton back and forth and then, and then I show up to meet him and find out that I've only got six days to hunt. And like I say, it's not Dalton's fault and it's not Eastman's fault. It's just... It's just video and hunts, and it's just the tight schedule that Eastman's runs, and and uh, that that he had to get back down and and then film Guy and Ike on this mule deer hunt, and so that we only had six days to film this hunt. So instantly, I'm in panic mode because, um, you know, the one point I stressed on this hunt is that I got to have enough days. I got to have enough days to get into elk and find a decent six point and, and get one shot and instantly cut down from 10 to six days through a wrench in it. And, and uh, so, you know, you just kind of roll with the punches and go, well, that's kind of how it goes. I guess, you know, going to have to hunt hard as all get out. And and uh, I'd seen the forecast for where I was headed. And the, the worst thing you can have in the breaks is rain. Um, the rain muddies up all the roads and, and it muddies up the ground so much that every time you step, you know, you're, you, you pack this mud on your boots. And so you're carrying three to 10 pounds of mud on your boot every, every time you step. It just makes everything more difficult over there. So of course the forecast during my hunt is for rain and they got like a hundred year storm. It, it rained like six inches out there. So, um, there's one road that, that kind of 
is a well-maintained gravel road that you can kind of drive even when it muddies up. And even that road was sketchy, but you can't go on any of the spur roads, any of the other roads I like to hunt. And so you're kind of trapped to this this all-season road. But, you know, again, these are my 10 days to hunt or now my six days to hunt. I've got my cameraman lined up. I got to just go for it. And I, you know, I got to do what I can do and try to get into bulls. So we get down there drove down there got down there with time for an afternoon hunt and it's it was sketchy coming in on the road i mean even the the all season road it was just caked in mud slipping around here and there but finally got to a spot kind of pulled off the side of the road where i thought yeah we can kind of camp here and and uh so let's see i can't remember if we set up our camps before we left i think i think we set up our camps before we left and then went on this hunt for the afternoon and it was just pouring down rain and and not a little sprinkle or a, a storm you can hunt through i mean just an absolute downpour where it's fogged in you can't see you know even wearing rain gear you just get soaking wet it just comes in through your neck and through your sleeves and um and uh so and and gore-tex boots today and shoes today god they just i don't know about you guys i just have a hard time finding a pair that keeps waterproof i mean sure for the first month they're waterproof but it seems with the miles and and and, uh abuse i put on my boots and shoes just pretty quick they're not waterproof anymore within a month or so and and that was the case this time too i've got some waterproof socks and i like to run those but same thing with those you know they were waterproof when i bought them they're not now so uh just start out the hunt just getting all your gear soaking wet and uh know that you're camping in there for the next six days but we dropped down anyways uh first spot i picked it just wasn't too hot down in there i didn't hear any bugles didn't see a ton of sign uh, I think I saw like three elk down in there. So it made a big loop, circled back into camp, and it's just pouring and raining and, and blowing and and uh, just, a, just a crazy, like I say, 100-year storm, or I'm sure it's it does this every few years, you know. And I, I've been rained in the breaks before. I've dealt with the mud, and you just got to play it smart. But um, I my first mistake was right where I pulled off the road. Sure, the all-season road was good, but where I pulled off, we camped, and in the morning went to get in my truck and go and just stuck. I mean, it rained and softened up that dirt more so than it was, um, you know, when we showed up. And so now all of a sudden... Uh, I'm in the the first day of the hunt and and I got my truck just buried and the the more I try to get out of there the more stuck I get and uh, I just can't go forward I can't go backwards spinning mud everywhere and pouring down rain soaking wet and I was soaking wet from the night before and now I've got my second set of clothes soaking wet not that many backups and so um, finally dig out the chains and God, we we crawl under the truck and hook up the chains and and uh, get mud everywhere, everything soaking wet. Chains are able to bite. We're able to get out of there and get back to the to the all season and and pretty much lost that that whole day. We did some glassing around and that, but you couldn't even really glass. You it was just raining so hard, fogged in. There was just nothing you could do but just but just uh, weather the storm and say, well, gosh, I hope it's better tomorrow. And finally. You know the next day which so you know hunted the night the first night i got in there and then hunted the that next day pretty much lost that next day and then now i'm on my third hunt third day of the hunt so now all of a sudden a 10-day hunt was six days is now cut to four days 
And so, I mean, I can feel the pressure. I, I want nothing more than to get a nice six point on film and, and prove to, to Ike and Guy and all the, uh, all the staff there, you know, that given this opportunity, I can get it done. So, I mean, we just went hard as all get out. So Wednesday morning, we started going to a spot I knew about. I never hunted it, but I looked at it on a map quite a bit. And it's just one of those spots where you kind of go in a closed road and and you just get miles and miles away from any access in this voidness, uh, void uh, of roads and void of human pressure and, and got in there and see a few elk here and there and, and uh, don't really see anything. And we get on this good vantage point and, and uh, so it had been raining off and on that morning, but you could hunt through it. It wasn't as bad as it had been the last couple days. And so I told Dalton, I said, yeah, well, let's, let's build a fire and we'll just sit on this vantage point here and spend the next few hours or a couple hours anyways and see what we see. And then we'll head back and make a plan for evening. And so we kind of built a fire out there and warmed up. And, and uh, pretty soon I look across the valley and I can see a bull way across the valley. I at three, four, five miles as a crow flies, I can see a bull over there with a couple cows or whatever and watch them for a little bit. He beds down and then I look right down below us and there's a six point right down below us and then another six point satellite down below us and just right on. Here we go, you know. And they they weren't gigantic bulls by any stretch of the imagination, but good but good solid six point shooter bowls, you know, something I'll be happy with for sure. And so, and it's a play, it's time to make a stock. This is what I've came for. This is what I've been waiting all year for is to, to hunt these elk. And so we go on the hillside kind of opposing them um, just so we can see what they're doing and, and kind of watch them bed down and coyote the herd and then, you know, try to get a play on them. And so we watch them and we can see a couple cows two different bulls and and uh watch him go up and the bigger of the two the herd bull he beds down and and he's in a pretty good spot and so uh we kind of make a game plan the wind the wind is is marginal but it's really good for that bull but then the other bull kind of beds down below where the the wind's going to be a little bit marginal on that second bull but it's going to be really good on that herd bull and also, it just depends once we get over there. How's the, how, you know, is the wind coming farther down the ridge or is it coming straight over? I knew I was good for the bigger herd bull, but <clears throat> we kind of decide that's that's our best play on them. Coming from below, there just really wasn't a play elk down below them. And so we circle all the way around this bull and, and uh, got the stock wind perfect. I mean, we closed in. Pretty soon we, we scoop back, relocate the bull. He's still in the same spot and we close in. He's just not to where I can shoot him in his bed, but I get to bow range of him in his bed. And he's just kind of quartered to me. And uh, <clears throat> so we're just waiting there and we kind of get set up and get some footage of him. And you know, Dalton's set up with the camera and I'm set up with my bow. I've got a good range on him, just got to let him stand. And and uh, so anyway, the the elk down below we didn't realize it but i guess there was uh 10 or 15 cows that were down below and that wind after sitting there for about 20 minutes or so finally must have drifted down over that hill and all those cows kind of run up by that bull and that bull just stays there bedded he doesn't know what's going on and and uh so then that that bull stands up and turns and he's he's completely facing away from me no shot and uh gets out of there that the elk leave they spook out of there and and uh, I, I end up spooking, you know, the first bull I'm on. And I guess, 
you know, if anything, I guess I kind of forced it a little bit with the wind. I didn't know all those elk would, were down below me or down below our position from where we were going to shoot from, but I did know that other bull was down there, that other six point. But, you know, gosh, you're just trying to trying to get a play and trying to make something happen, and you, you almost want it so bad that you end up making a mistake. And not that I stalked reckless. It was close. It could have gone either way. I mean, if, if that bull just would have stood up broadside, I, he would have been a done deal. But anyways, it didn't didn't work out. They they spooked off. And so we make it back to the ridge and kind of collect ourselves and say, well, you know, let's let's walk back to the truck here and and uh, we'll we'll reset and reset for an evening hunt. And we're quite a few miles down in there. In fact, I, th I think at the end of the day, we ended up doing 15 miles that day on my pedometer. And, and 15 miles through the with mud leg weights everywhere you went that just stuck to your foot. So, you know, you're lifting three to five to 10 pounds every time you take a step as the mud's sticking to you. So, I mean, it, it just, it wears you out. It's got to be uh, twice the exertion as it would be just on flat, good ground, you know, or dry ground for that matter. And so... Um, tough terrain to walk and to do 15 miles in it. I mean, it, it wears on you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a half marathon or more, you know, plus, uh, vertical up and down. Our, our vertical wasn't too much that day, but I, I still think we did like, uh, you know, we looked on the, on the pedometer on, um, iPhone six, it'll give you how many flights of stairs or whatever. And so that's what we were going off. But I think we did like 1500 vertical gain and loss, but Anyways, we make it back to the ridge, kind of reset and think about where we're going to be hunting for the evening. And I look back over to that bull I had spotted in the morning that's way across the draw and he's still bedded right there and there's cows down below and he's in a really good spot. And now because we've made a stock down on these elk, you know, a, a mile or mile and a half down the draw, now we're closer to that bull where I can start to make out his horns. And I tell Dalton, I said, man, that looks like a good bull. I um, he turns at one point, it's like, man, I can see six, you know, he's a good six point. And so um, I tell, tell Dalton, if, if we're so far away from the truck at this point, but, you know, Dalton, uh, I, I got to say, man, that kid is game. He just, anytime I'd see a bull or tell him this is where we got to go, he'd just go there with a great attitude and, and uh, go get it. And he was psyched to get footage and psyched to get this out. It was just like hunting with one of my good buddies, which was so killer. And so Dalton will will be one of my friends now that I'll keep in touch with and, and hopefully do more hunts with, you know, if he'll hunt with me after, after this hunt. I don't know. He said it was the toughest hunt he's ever been on. I believe it. We went for it. But uh, anyways, the kid was just game as all get out. I couldn't ask for a better partner and, and and you know he's hungry too this is his opportunity to to collect really good footage and make an episode of Eastman's Hunting TV and kind of make a name for himself too which he just loved to be able to video in the outdoor industry and so so he wants to go for it just as bad as I do so anyways we see this bull he's way across the draw in a good spot and so we decide to go for him and kind of glass down and there's this kind of stream down below us well we get down there and we do about a mile and drop off the ridge and now we're in the bottom and we come to this stream and it, it, it looks like the goddamn Nile River down there. I mean, it's, it's just uh, uh, mud brown and it's flowing so hard from all the six inches of rain they just got. Just hydraulics of water coming up everywhere and the thing's about 12 to 16 foot wide everywhere and... and I, you know, I, I'm trying to find a place to cross. I end up walking two miles of this, this stream that just snakes back and forth, just looking for some place where I could jump off a high bank or get across. 
and there was just nowhere, nowhere to get across. And I, I, I gotta say, I haven't ran into this before, where I find an obstacle that I can't make it by. I mean, I'm trying to think of everything. Can I, can I carry a tree from the, from the woods up there and lay it across and walk it across like a plank? Can I, can I take off my pants and my shoes and cross it? And there was, there was just no way. I mean, it was caked with mud. I mean, you step in there, the hydraulics alone would push you off your feet and sweep you down, and you'd be in a bad spot. But then the mud, I mean, you might sink up to your neck in that stuff, just with the churning, muddy water down and through there. And there was just no way across. There was no safe way across. And I don't even think there was a half safe way across, or I would have, I would have gone for it. I would have thrown my pants across and waded naked across that thing to go after that bull. And now we're even closer to that bull, and that bull is just a giant one. You know, he's a great big. Like I couldn't put an exact score with him. I didn't bring my scope that day. Hunting elk, you know, I don't always bring my scope, but it seems like every time I don't bring my scope, I regret it. You know, I just should have my scope. It, it's like most of the time I can tell what they are with my binos, but if you see one. A long ways off you're just not sure if it's a five or a six or a good six or if it's worth you know crossing the Nile for or whatever but uh but I didn't bring my scope that day trying to go light knowing that we were going to do a bunch of miles so um god I just I couldn't make it across that thing it was an obstacle I couldn't cross and so had no option but you know our option was is you could drive around up to the high side of that bowl and then come down on them from the other way and so i figured that's what we do after walking that stream for a couple miles i just figure all right i'm gonna mark it on the gps mark it on the map where i know that bowl is we're gonna come around be over there tonight you know worst case scenario in the morning find that bowl and hunt them well we we hoof it back to the truck and like i say ended up doing 15 miles that day or something but we make it back to the truck and then go look at the road that circles around there and there's no way i mean that that road is so mudded up i mean you'd sink to your axles there's just it's too wet so we got to let it dry out there's just no way to that bowl i can't cross this stream there's no road that goes over the stream and, and the road that circles way around the other side of this thing's all mudded up and so nothing i can pretty you know nothing i can do i just got to wait for that road to dry out where i can get around them or wait for that stream to go down where i think i can cross it and go back in there and so um a little disappointed at that you know seeing a great big bowl like that and not being able to go for him but um I, anyways, we, we, we glass that night and just kind of walk out to some different points in glass. And I find a, oh, I think it was a smaller six point, uh, wasn't quite worth running after. And then, and then also, um, you know, it was, it, you know, like, a, an hour left of light where I didn't have a lot of time to make it to him and just wasn't quite big enough. And so, um, kept glassing around and then, uh, look up in this one spot and I just see a pile of elk up in there. There's got to be a couple hundred head and, and uh, some good shooter six points in there. And so kind of mark the spot on my GPS and just figure, well, well, that's where we're hunting tomorrow morning. And so um, we sleep that night and get up the next morning and, and uh, you know, up up a couple hours before daybreak, like always, and, and uh, park in the dark and start walking with the headlamp and you can just hear them bugling up above us, you know, and and uh, you know you're going to get into the party. And so we kind of work the backside of this ridge up and, and uh, kind of try to get in front of these elk. And, 
And uh, this spot I'm hunting, you know, most spots I hunt over there, it's just all public, public everywhere. You know, you don't got to worry. But this this spot that I'm hunting is kind of on the edge of public private where you kind of got to play the game a little bit and you got to watch your GPS. And, and there's a bunch of public land in there. But, of course, these elk are right on the edge or on the border of it. And, and uh, so we trail these elk and trail them up and trail them up and and uh, they're kind of going up this ridge and then we see a spot where we can kind of get down and make a play at them and get down there and I mean it's just epic the, the bulls won't stop bugling they're back and forth they're glucking they're they're calling they're chasing cows chasing bulls I mean it's just that insane rutting action that you just uh that you dream for all year long that you wait for all year long it just thrilling makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up you're just in them you know and so we were in them that morning chasing bugles chasing elk we drop down where we can cut them off to where they're going to their beds and get in there with just a perfect win and we've got all the 200 head 20 bulls right in front of us but but we can't sneak any closer and they're just right on the outside you know they're about 100 yards but there's also cows at at 30 40 yards right underneath us that are feeding underneath us and bulls just going back and forth glucking bugling just insane action and and uh so we capture it and finally there's this decent six point that I'll shoot and he comes back to run these cows and and uh so I get a range on him and, and tell Dalton, Yeah, I'm gonna shoot this bull, he's coming back into range and they're they kinda run into range, run out of range, but he was in range and the, I got a really good uh good range on him. I had him um, you know, inside my effective range and so um he he's, he gets broadside and I draw back and as soon as I draw back, he takes about four steps kind of diagonally away from me and then stops again. And I settle my pin and I execute a perfect shot. Push, pull, push, pull, keep pulling, keep pulling. And then shot breaks perfect. And I just think dead bull hunts over with day two. This is the way it's it's supposed to be. You're supposed to go down, you know. And and uh, But uh, that... That bull, when he took those few steps, I think he just put like a couple, two, three more yards in between us. And so then I think my range was short. And when I shot, my arrow dropped low, dropped right under the the brisket and I missed him clean. I just, I was beside myself. It took me a minute to figure out what happened because I knew I executed a perfect shot and I got all the confidence in the world in my shooting and and, uh, I just airballed that bull. He took three steps. In hindsight, you know, I don't, I don't think I could have, you know, I was standing up and I don't think any of the elk could really see me, but it wasn't a spot where I could really let down, rearrange fine, draw back, get another shot. It was almost like if I had to play it again, I think I would have drawn back, taken those few steps and I would have gone, okay, he's two yards further and and just put it higher in the brisket or almost top of the back, just knowing that arrow is going to fall in there. And, you know, when I shoot, I shoot a heavy arrow and so I get a lot of drop to my arrow. So exact yardage is is pretty important to me and especially you know this bull was was the f- farthest reaches of my outside range you know and so um you know it's just that that arrow drops quite a bit out at those longer yardages and and uh me with my short draw length heavy arrows long yardage you know three yards can make the difference between hitting them and not and that was the case there and so um airballed them and those elk went up the draw and, and didn't even really spook that bad the the one bull spooked and kind of spooked the herd and they worked up the draw and so we watched them work up the draw and and uh they kept going up the draw and they went through this just one little 
one little square of private where we couldn't keep chase, but we could go up and above and around to where they were headed, and that was public. And, and they got up there and milled around, and they're just still bugling and rutting like crazy. And so we kind of set up up above, and there just wasn't a good approach. We took two different attempts at it and just checked the wind, and I just told Dalton, I, I just feel like we're stalking reckless here if we try for it. We just can't go for it. You know, all these elk are going to come back down tonight. It's a perfect ambush, and there's there's 250 head up there, whatever. Um, you know, it's just not a spot where you can go creeping in where you're not going to blow up the whole deal in there. And so um, we decided to back out, and, and then you just figure we're going to ambush in the evening. And so we back out and walk out. I think we did... 17 miles that day by the time the end of the day came so um we're we're just we're burning rubber uh hunting these elk covering as much country as we can and and uh so then that night we go back up and start to set up you know for our ambush and i can hear him up above us bugling in that timber spot up there in this timbered ridge or open timbered ridge up there hear him bugling and then there's a five point that's coming down towards us and and we could have killed that five point he was by himself but we're looking for good sixes and and uh so we decide you know instead of waiting there all night like let's go up let's look at these elk make sure they're not going to go up over the top or go a different direction or do something different and and uh we get up there and and uh um, we look at these elk and all of a sudden we pick out this bull that is just a giant. I, one of the dream bulls that I just, I mean, I love to chase. He's got to be, I mean, he's, he's 370 if he's an inch, 375 somewhere in there. Just a giant heavy horned hammer, you know, just the, the bull you dream about. And he's kind of on the outside of the herd there, kind of bedded down. And um, what's a, so Guy refers to these bulls as rogue bulls. And so a rogue bull, it's a bull, it's a great big bull, but he, he doesn't stay with the cows all the time. He, he's gotten old by what he does is he lets the younger bulls tend the cows or even, you know, there was a good 320, 330 bull that was the herd bull in there. But he kind of lets all those bulls just kind of be bulls throughout the day and tend those cows. And then at night, he moves in and breeds the cows and then he's out of there by himself again and beds down. And a, there's a, a good buddy of mine that killed a big 375 bull last year. And he said that was the case with that bull that 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 bull would go off by himself in the morning would leave the whole herd leave all the elk and he'd bed by himself and and that was the case with this big rogue bull and so giant rogue bull and um so i mean this gets me excited and and instantly i'm just trying to think of how i can make a play and and uh so i kind of we had a good wind and he was bedded and you know i thought we'd kind of disappear under the rise and be able to come right on him and so I mean, Dalton, like I said before, he is game because I I had him belly crawling through cactus and mud and everything else to try to make it to this bull. And so we spend, I don't know, an hour and a half crawling into this bull and we get inside 180 yards or something. And, and this is where I thought we'd disappear and then be able to come up and over the top and be 40 yards from this bull and smoke him, you know, right in his bed. And he's bedded broadside where I'd have a shot with him laying down which I just love a lot of bulls where you get in tighter like the bull I was just telling you guys about was bedded quartering towards me where I didn't have a shot until he stood well this bull was bedded broadside where I could just shoot him right in his bed and as we get to 180 yards or so you know I just realize it's not going to happen that that even if we belly crawl we're just exposed to this bull and he's looking in our direction and it's just not a it's just not a smart play even though we've got the wind and we've got this far it's just not going to happen 
And so we decide to back out. And so we back all the way back out from the way we stalked in there and get back on the high ridge. And that bull gets up and starts to feed. And so then we come around the, the top side and it's starting to get evening now and, and starting to get later. And we come around the top side, keep our wind good, dip into the coulee and, and, uh, start to close in on this bull that's just feeding. And, uh, God, we got, we got inside a hundred yards of them. And we just had to make it over one more little rise. And over this rise, you can just barely see the, the bull's head. Um, so as he's feeding, you know, we can we can move and crawl every time he has his head down feeding. Well, then he, he, he beds down, but it beds down with his head up. And his head up is kind of pointed towards us, but there's a little grass in the way of his face. And like I say, we've got one little hump to make it over to kill this bull. And once we're over this hump, good win. We roll all the way to 40. We shoot this bull and he's a done deal. And uh, so we're, we're just crawling over the top. I make it over the top where I'm not exposed at all. And I'm just thinking, man, we got this. And Dalton's right behind me crawling. And, and it's almost the kind of crawl where you can't even move your legs or your arms. It's just really slow, precise stalk, you know, as we're 100 yards from this bull. And and he he must have picked out just enough movement or something and got up, exploded over the fence line and gone out of my life forever. But man, oh man, I mean, just to be able to chase a bull like that on public lands, I, I just, um, it is so thrilling for me. I just, uh, it, and it, it'll come together for me on one of those, those big bulls. And I, I've killed a lot of really good bulls, but man, it was just a dream bull and, and probably would have been the best bull I ever killed. But, uh. Um, you know, we gave him a good try. We kept our wind right. Uh, we played it right. I mean, sure, you could have played it more patient and sat on him for two days waiting to make a play, but the play we made was was high percentage. And so, you know, I, I nothing I can do. You know, I made our play and made our go at him, and and just didn't get him. Came up short. But uh, man, how awesome is it to to chase those? And the footage we have of them is just unreal. Um, so that was super exciting and, and super pumped for that. We walked out that night in the dark. Like I say, that day we ended up doing 17 miles, you know, plus the mud leg weights and the whole deal. And, and, uh, so his game as Dalton is, he's starting to feel it for sure in his back and in his legs and everything. I mean, we're, we're just going for it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so driven on these hunts and driven to be successful and, and driven to do anything I can to try to kill a bull. And so we're, we're running the red line here, but Dalton's still game, you know, even wearing out and getting sore and, and, uh, going for it, you know, we're up again the next morning at 4:45, and those, those, all those elk, that 200 head I was talking about, they, they didn't end up coming down the same spot. They, they went up that morning for some reason they went down and down and off and into this other field. And, and the other field was, was border private public. And so I told Dalton, I said, I, I don't think it'll be too good in here tomorrow. Let's go to a different spot. And, and, uh, you know, by now a couple days have gone gone by, and I think, well, the the roads are probably better. I want to drop into this spot I call the confluence. A lot of times there's a, a bunch of elk in there, um, especially here late in the season. And so um, we wake up in the morning, 4:45, um, and get on the road, and the road's solid. And I pull off this little, you know, this dirt skitter road, and I check it out, and it's hard as a rock. You know, it's it looks good. We start driving it down, and you can see some of the old tracks where people had slid off the road. One track truck was abandoned down there, um, like they had got stuck and then had to walk out, get a ride from their buddies or whatever. But for us, it's just solid as all get out, and nobody down in there anywhere, you know. And so we drop down into the confluence, and 
and uh, get up get up to the ridge and the elk just weren't in the confluence i don't know if it's there's so much water around they didn't have to drop to the bottoms or what but we saw like three bulls in there one small six point wasn't worth going for and so we returned back to the truck fairly early um also you know in the back of my mind is just uh getting down to the confluence is a steep dirt road i just thought ah we better get out of here before this you know before everything thaws or whatever you know we might be in trouble down in here and so we get and get in the truck and roll up and make it up um you know we're still on a dirt skitter road but we're not all the way down that steep stuff down in the confluence and so you know i'm feeling pretty confident that that we can get out of there or whatever and so we start glassing around on a couple different vantage points real close to the truck just basically walk out and start glassing you know off a point or whatever and, and instantly we spot a decent six point and and uh, so I told Dalton, I said, yeah, well, let's let's go for him. Let's give him a try. And so we roll out. And it's so funny how you can just see one bull, and that bull will lead you to a group of cows with another bull in it, will lead you to more cows. And so this, this bull just leads us right into the party. We start following, trailing this bull. We get to where we last saw him at and look around. Now all of a sudden we see a few cows and another bull. And, and so we dive around and try to get the wind right, and then we see another six point down in there. And and uh, these elk all kind of get in the drainage, and then we hear a bugle up the drainage. And so we just give chase, and it's just a vintage elk hunt where you know you just can't even catch up to them. You're kind of chasing behind them, trying to coyote the herd, figure out where they bed. So we get on the opposite side of the draw and kind of you know we'd we'd pick them out and then they disappear in a little timber draw or whatever and we keep working up and see them again and then we get to this spot where we can't see them again and and i think i've got the timber nailed to where he went to and and maybe we just don't have the right angle on it and so we sit up there for 30 minutes or so and decide to go on the same side of the draw on them but it's well, it's kind of tough to explain, but it's it's like uh, there's another draw on the other side where then we can look across and look into the timber. And so we start giving chase and get to the spot where I think he is, and then we hear a bugle over the next draw. And so all of a sudden we're going to the next draw, and, and here we go again on our, our mileage. You know, we're going to hit our 15 miles a day. You know, so we're just giving chase to this six point, and finally we pick him out, and uh, he's bedded with his cows or whatever, and. And God, we had a good wind in our face, and and uh, so we just we're trying to make a game plan of how we're going to get on them. And I don't know how, but this wind must have swirled. I mean, I saw it hit those elk down there like a like a ton of bricks, where all of a sudden they pick up their head and and they're spooked and they're going. And we blew up this bull. I don't even know how. I mean, we're sitting two three hundred yards away with a good wind, and you know, finally I figured it out as we went up the ridge. The wind. You know, we were playing the thermals and then the directionals up top were kind of going towards this bull and must have gotten that draw and just swirled around. But, I mean, we played it super smart, and I don't think I would have played that wind any different. It's just, I mean, it's just elk hunt, right? I mean, how many times have you been winded by these things? And even when you think you got it all figured out, you don't. You know, there's there's a wind going this way and a wind going that way, and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting barked at and they're gone. And so those elk are long gone and you know that's a little bit disappointing you spend the whole morning coyoting and getting close to this good six point figuring out where he's at so you can make a play and then the win you know then he wins you and you don't even get a chance at him but like i say that's just elk hunting it happens and so um we kind of head back and so we're looking at a long hike back back to our vehicle or whatever and by now it's noon or so and 
and uh, just hiking up the ridge, I glass over and spot another group of elk and another six-point bull. We were just in them. You know, those elk had led us to more elk, and, and these elk are another, you know, couple, two, three miles away, but I can see it's a decent six-point bull, and and he's quite a few coolies over or whatever, and, and uh, this, this terrain we're hunting is... You know, it's not big mountain terrain. It's kind of like breaky country where there's a lot of coolies. You know, there's there's scattered pine trees, fairly open. Um, but it's just cool country, and these elk just thrive in it, you know. And so, you know, sometimes you'll end up, you know, you, you'll be five miles from your truck, but you'll be 15 coolies from your truck where you're just going down and up and down and up and down and up. But uh, these elk were a few coolies away and a couple miles away and spot a nice six-point bull. And they're bedded in a good spot where it looks like you can come right up. But the winds are just uh, – they're finicky. And, and we had just got we had just got winded by that elk. And so I was a little gun shy or just wanted to play it patient. I didn't want to run right over there and blow out another herd of elk, you know, because I couldn't get the winds right or whatever. And so I told Dalton it's about noon or so. And I say, you know, let's, let's just head back. Let's grab a sandwich, you know, and then – and then we could drive up above and get a little bit closer, come down the same ridge we're on, relocate the bull and make a play at him. And it, at least then, you know, we didn't have a 12-mile walk in the dark, you know, after we went after this bull just to get back to the truck or whatever. And so um, we decide that's what we're going to do, roll back, get to the truck. The roads had thawed out now. And now the roads are just greasy as all get out. And I hadn't planned on this. They were, they were just so muddy, you just couldn't move. You spit mud everywhere and getting stuck and sliding off the road. And so I went just a little ways up the road and parked the truck and just told Dalton, oh, man, we got to wait for it to freeze tomorrow. You know, this is, um, you know, I... I've been stuck over there and I've I've blown up a transmission over there in a new truck and it just it isn't worth blowing up my truck over there you just got to wait you got to wait it out until you can till you can find a window when you can get out of there and so we end up parking the truck and said well we got we got nothing better to do. I think Dalton's just drifting off after a sandwich and said, well, bud, we got to go for it, you know. And, and like I say, that kid is just so game. He's just so ready to go for it. And and a good set of eyes on him, too. I couldn't believe for 21 years old, you know, a, a lot of people I hunt with, I, I spot, you know, 75%, 80% of the game we see. Man, I think I think Dalton, you know, I think we were close to 50-50 on this deal. He had a good set of eyes on him, you know, just a good hunter. He just uh, been hunting all his life, and even though he's a young kid, he's in great shape. He's just he's just built for endurance, you know, and and uh, game as they come, great attitude, didn't get down at all, and and uh, and a good set of eyes. So just a, it's just like hunting with one of my buddies, which was really cool. But uh, anyway, so. Dalton's just drifting off and go, oh, well, we better go for this bowl and go get on him while he's still bedded. And Dalton goes, yeah, you're right, you know. And so we we get we had our sandwich and now now we got to go back the same long way that we came over there, you know. We don't get any closer in the truck really, and so back over we go, you know, and and uh, get to that ridge where we can see that bowl and he's still bedded in the same spot. And now the winds are just a little bit more consistent, so we decide to go for him. You know, and we we go down, hump hump a few coolies, and and uh, uh, get over there and and make this play. And God, it was a good play on this bull. He was bedded on the far side of his cows, where we could get on him and and hopefully shoot him right in his bed because he was broadside in his bed. As we creep over, it's kind of a noisy grass, dead grass hillside right before we get to him, and so we creep in and and uh, 
God, we're just getting close. We're just getting in range coming up over the top. And I see that bull stand up. And I had ranged a couple trees coming in just to kind of know what the ranges were. And, and he stood up and I didn't have a shot. There was a bush right in front of him right there. And uh, so he kind of goes and, and uh, the, the bull, he knows something's up. He heard us stalking in. And so he's, he's trying to get out of there. He's, he's half spooked. And, and just as he tries to roll out of there, he comes through one shooting window. You know, I come to full draw and give him a ew. And that, that bull just freezes right in that opening where Dalton can video him and I can shoot him right there. And so as soon as he stops, I had ranged a tree at 53 and he was behind the tree. So I thought, you know, and so I executed a shot 60 yards, put it on him and executed it. It sounded solid. I thought I hit the bull, but after reviewing the footage and then we went over, looked for the arrow, ended up seeing the bull. God, I, I missed that bull. Missed him clean, shot right over top of him. So here, here I am. Uh... All the confidence in the world in my shooting, and now I've missed two elk in just a handful of days hunting. I mean, um, talk about being humbled, it, and it's 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 just the way it goes when you're bow hunting, you know. It's um, so this opportunity, you know, I I missed because I guessed at yardage. I had one opening, no time to range them. You know, I'd ranged a tree. It was like this is your shot, or you don't get a shot. You know, and. And, and I, it, it wasn't unethical. He was broadside. He was within my effective range. I, I think I just misjudged him. I think he was more like 50, 55. I ranged the tree that I thought was 53 and it was 51 right there. And he was standing about even or just a couple yards behind that. So stopped him with the cow call. I shot, shot right over the top of him, missed him. And, and I'm still, my confidence just isn't rattled. I just know, you know, I keep telling Dalton too, you know, because I feel bad Dalton's working his butt off in there to try to capture all this great video of me. And all I do is keep keep missing these damn things. Uh, you know, I feel bad, but at the same time, it was just like, it's, it's just elk hunting and it's just bow hunting. It was like split second opportunity that I created to try to get a shot and it, it didn't work out. I misjudged it and, and I knew it and it didn't bother me too much, but you know, it, it kind of, it bothered me that, that I didn't get the shot, you know, for, I let Dalton down and he never liked missing. I mean, who, who likes missing an animal? And, and, uh, so, you know, and. And just, just to kind of pump my ego up, like I, you know, I had, I thought this was going to be my year. I had a perfect season. So far, I've shot at three Pope and Young animals, and I've killed three Pope and Young animals. You know, a, a bear, an antelope, and a mule deer there in Wyoming. And so um, I was perfect up to this elk hunt. Now on this elk hunt, all of a sudden, I've, I missed a couple bulls. And I, I mean, uh, I, and this is just um, like I've talked about before. This is tough hunts. This is picking yourself up from a miss, knowing that you that you have the skills to be able to kill a bull and just telling Dalton, man, I know I told you I just need one opportunity, but that is all I need is just a sliver of opportunity. Man, we just got to keep working hard and, and I'll kill one of these things. And I just told him, you know, I... I've been killing bulls for for 15 years, and this is this is how it goes: trials and tribulations. And we just got to pick ourselves up from this and keep hunting. We got a couple days left, and and uh, we just we just got to make it happen, you know. And so, um, miss that miss that bull. He took off. Uh, we ended up locating a different bull that day, and and uh, went for him even further. You know, I, I look at Dalton and say, "Well, there's there's another bull, another couple miles, another handful of coolies over there, and he's game again." And so we roll over there. It was uh, another six point or whatever, different bull. I had a big group of cows, and kind of spot that bull with his cows up above us, and he's in a good spot. And uh, God, I just didn't. 
there was there was like 20 cows with them and I saw 10 cows in the bowl and I just figured the other 10 cows were right there you know with that other group or in the timber and as we start down to try to make our approach 400 yards away we spook these cows in the bottom and so we blow up that scenario before it ever even happens and god you just got to kind of reflect we kind of get back and I glass around and able to spot a couple I spotted another six point bull but too far to get to that evening but you just kind of reflect on things and just go man I mean I know how bad I want a bull but at the same time you you it you know the animals don't know how bad you want to but like you can't force it you can't make it happen either the scenario's right or you back up and out of there and i i had made fairly smart plays up to this point we had backed off elk and and gone for elk and i felt like the elk we went for were good scenarios but you just hate you hate missing things and you hate spooking things and it's just like kind of reset your mind and go okay i'm I'm just going to slow down and I'm, I'm not going to force it. And, and when I find a six point bull, I want, you know, if I find another one or fortunate enough to locate another bull, I'm just going to take my time and, and make this thing happen. And so now we're getting down and I'm kind of losing track of days or whatever, but, um, now we're getting down to where I've got one full day and, and a half day left. And then I've got to get Dalton back so we can go film this other hunt. And so, yeah, a little bit of doubt starts to creep in your mind and you just kind of push it out and go, nope, you know, whatever happens, I'm just going to give it hell here for a day and a half. I'm going to give it absolutely everything I have and, and let the cards fall where they do. You know, if I don't kill a bull, it's not the end of the world, you know, and it's just, you know, and so I'm already, I'm already thinking this and starting to put those thoughts of failure out of my mind. And, and, and then I start to come up with backup plans and say, well, even if Dalton, I've got to bring him home, the elk season is still open for another week. You know, maybe I'll, I'll get a buddy to film and we'll come back next weekend if I have to. And so you, you start kind of plotting and forming your backup plan to your plan or whatever. But yeah, you know, I just tell myself I, I'm going to hunt hard as hell for the next day and a half. I'm going to push it continue to be up before light going to continue to do 15 to 20 miles a day whatever it takes and i think at this point we're over 40 miles for three days i i mean we've been we've been just burning it going for these elk or whatever and and uh so uh you know i kind of talk with dalton and just get him pumped up back again and like i say you know i just tell him man all we all we just need to keep hunting hard it'll come together it it you know, things just work out. If you keep hunting hard, I've got all the confidence in my shooting. Like, let's just keep going for it. And so uh, we wake up that next morning. We didn't get much luck. The road never froze. So it got down to 37 degrees that night and the road firmed up just enough. So we were able to grind and spit mud and shoot mud and slide around here and there. And anyways, get back up to the all season road. And we left at about 4:45 again in the morning and, uh, got back up to the all season road. So we're feeling good. At least we're not going to be trapped there. And, and, uh, and during this trip, so I've got during this trip, I keeping in uh, communication with another buddy of mine, and he's hunting one of my favorite spots. Um, but it's over. What he did is he went in Sunday, and he went in Sunday before the big rains, a day before I did. He got in back into this spot and then camped in there, let everything mud up, and then he just hunted from his camp. And he got into some really good bulls and had some good hunting. Um, and but he's he's not on an all season road. He's on a dirt mud road. And like I say, six inches of rain in this spot mudded up those roads so bad. And so he hunted, had some good encounters, and then he tried to go out Friday. He buried his truck on Friday. 
And I mean buried. Uh, he got it stuck twice. Finally, he got it stuck so bad, so deep in the mud, there was just no getting out. So he sent me a message. I didn't get the message till later, but he, he had to leave his truck over there. He's back here in Anna, so his truck is five hours away, still buried in the mud over there right now as we speak. He's got to go back and get it. So it's not to be messed with over there. It is just uh, a brutal stuff that'll just turn that road into gumbo. Uh, but but anyways, we make it out of our little dirt road, make it back to the all season. And so we roll back to where all those elk had been, those 200 elk thinking they had moved back in there. And if not, we're just going to get to the far ridge and then we're going to start working it farther over. And we're going to we're going to go find that that big bull we were on or, or that group of 200. We're going to go find an elk in there. And so um, we start in the dark again and hiking headlamps up there and like I say, this is my last full day, and then I got a half day, you know, on Sunday, the last day. Um, get up in there and and uh, get to this ridge, and the lights start coming on, and I glass down there, and here's a six-point bull. He's a shooter bull by himself. He's a satellite bull, but he's coming right up towards the ridge we're on. We've got a good quartering wind that we've kind of, kind of, we we've got to play it right and stay behind this bull. We can't get too far in front of him or he'll wind us, and. Uh, so we kind of read this bull. Is he coming towards our saddle or is he going towards the next saddle? And and uh, we realize he's going towards the next saddle. And so we start working up the ridge and we're hidden from him working up the ridge. And then we don't want to go too far and we want to peek over and get a look at him again. We peek over and we can't find him down there, can't find him down there. And we go, well, we just got to keep going up. Well, let's make it to this point up here. And I can see some deer down below and I, I didn't want to come over and overexpose us and spook those deer to spook that elk. And so... You know, we just kind of I said, we just let's keep moving up this ridge. He was headed this way, and as we keep moving over the ridge, and I peek over the top, and I see him, and he's right there, and no idea we're there, and he's just a little bit out of range, and so we duck back under over the ridge and make just a, another 20, 30 yards on him, come back over, and he's right there, and, and uh, he's in a good spot and doesn't know we're there. He's just feeding up. I get a good range. Dalton gets on him with the camera, and and uh, execute my shot and man put a perfect shot on him just a good heart shot right through him and uh, he hits the offside shoulder so my arrow's still sticking out and the bull makes a big circle and then runs right towards us like he's gonna run us over which is really cool yeah, a cool footage and just cool encounter and so all of a sudden I'm fiddling with my bow trying to re-knock another arrow you know and he runs by us and runs over the hill and and uh, done deal. I, I know I hit him right. I know he's a dead bull. And and uh, so just pumped. I had one of the most uh, epic morning hunts and just came together on a on a solo bull. Just so killer when it when it happens right, you know. So we're pumped. Go over, collect our collect our bull. Go over the hill. Start looking for blood or um, you know uh, uh, where's blood trail where he crossed over the hill and look over and I can see him right there. I mean he didn't make it hundred yards or whatever and done bowl and so uh yeah just so awesome i mean um in october bowl which october is getting towards the end of the rut got one more week left on my tag and so down to the end of it and like i say last full day of hunting with my cameraman and and able to to kill this nice six point and get it on film and and uh able to show guy and ike you know that, that given the opportunity i can get it done and I mean, it should just make an awesome video. We got so much awesome footage and and things, and so sent it to the to the Eastman's gal uh, Lindsay that does all the editing there. So we'll we'll see what she can come up with. So now it's just the the long wait of a year to see what she can put together. You know, as as far as footage and a video. But man, I just couldn't be happier. I 
I don't know. It's something about chasing elk during the rut. It was such a fun trip, and it was it was grueling, and it was uh, you know we had to suffer and in the rain and and uh, in the mud and 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 wet and I you know I don't I don't know. Just the more you put into these hunts, the the more it means to you. And and even though this wasn't a backcountry hunt in the mountains for me, it's still just tough, wet living back there. And and, and then the miles we put on, we ended up. You know, after we packed out the bowl, I think we were 52 or 54 miles in four days. In the four good days that that we had hunting, you know, we lost the first two to weather there or whatever. So, um, man, it is just so awesome, and I, I just love bow hunting and the the places it takes me and and the encounters it gives me and and stalking those bulls with my bow. And I it just couldn't be a better trip. I mean, how do you locate and get so many stalks after these bulls and close encounters and miss twice and then and then get a chance to redeem yourself and send a perfect arrow through that bull and and all of a sudden you forget those two misses and and uh, uh, all all in life is good. So I we all miss. It's part of bow hunting and and those two misses I could explain why they happen and it wasn't because i rushed rushed my shot or didn't execute right you know it's just circumstances the one was guessing at yardage and and then the other one you know he took four steps after i drew back and and just got a couple more yards on me so things happen and it's just a matter it's trying to learn from those encounters and experiences too and and uh you know, as much as I've learned and as good as I do bow hunting, I'm always trying to improve and I'm always trying to get better. And, and, uh, sure. Would I, would I love to kill that 375 bull? You bet. But you know, I almost wouldn't change it for anything just to make that hunt go longer and more encounters and more stocks and, and just to learn from all that and have all that more, have more of that information in my da- database for, for next year's hunt. And I'm just constantly evolving and constantly trying to learn on these hunts, constantly trying to get better. And, and the spots we hunted, you know, besides the confluence, were all new spots to me, which is cool. It's, you know, I've been hunting this place for, for uh, quite a few years now and I probably got over a hundred days of hunting in this country and and you know I still hunt places in the mountains and still got my honey holes there but um, you know this spot I, I, I gained a, a handful more spots where bulls hang out and where where bulls like to be and and so I'm just always gathering more information and trying to get better and better and and I'm, I'm going to continue to get better and continue to kill, you know, bigger bulls and quality Pope and Young bulls and, and uh, uh, trophy bucks. And I mean, that's the goal of this whole deal. And it's what's so cool about hunting is this, it's this ever evolving process where I never, I ne- I'm never going to be the top of the heat. I'm always evolving. I'm always getting better. There's never a limit to how much I can learn or never a limit to how good I can be as long as I keep learning and keep paying attention and and, and, and I, you know, I, I don't let ego get in the way and I, I don't, you know, I, I keep looking at situations and when a situation doesn't work out for me, you know, I look at it objectively and I see where I messed up. Did the, did the elk win me? Did it, you know, should have I waited and played the winds better? Did, uh, did he hear me? Could I have been quieter? Could I have slowed down? You know, what I did on my shot execution, I replay those shots over my head. I'm just constantly analyzing everything. And I, I try to analyze it to where, you know, I, I don't let my ego get in the way and I don't, I don't just 
chalk it up to this or chalk it up to that. I, I, I try to figure out what went wrong, what I could have done better, what I'll do next time. And, and sometimes there isn't an answer. Sometimes there wasn't anything you can do better. But, but most of the time I find that, you know, if there, if there wasn't something I could have done better, then why'd that elk catch you? That elk caught you because you, you know, he winded you, the wind switched around. Well, you probably should have waited for a, a better wind or, you know, there, there's always something you can learn from and always something you can improve from. And, and that's, you know, that's how I've gotten as, as good as I am, as I'm, I'm constantly trying to evolve and learn and, and learn how to hunt our public lands better. But, oh man, what a, what a, what a great hunt and, and a great year of elk hunting. And I just can't wait for next year. Next year, I'm going to make sure that I, that I get at least my 10 days. I, I don't know. I think I'd rather have 14 and just have enough days in that country. And, and now, you know, that I've proven myself to Guy and Ike, you know, I, I think they'll make sure I've got a cameraman for enough days and and uh, be able to capture another elk on film. But I, man, I just love hunting those elk this time of year during the rut. There's just nothing better for me. And and then the quality meat you get, there's just nothing better. And for for my family, getting an elk makes a difference. You know, an elk is equal to to three or four deer. So um, for me to get an elk is the difference between us making it through the winter and not. And, you know, not that we won't survive or that we're going to starve to death, but we eat all wild game. And, and uh, to, to buy meat at the grocery store would kill me. And it's just not the healthy organic meat that, that I like to feed my family with, with no, no hormones and, and no additives and wasn't raised in a pen, lives out in the wild, lives this wild and free life. And, and uh, you just have more appreciation for, for your meat you put on the table. And, and, uh, and, and so that's a big deal to me too. And, and I think as the hunt went on, I, I probably would have even shot a smaller bull or a smaller five the last couple of days. And, and not that those aren't challenging. I mean, it's an elk with all its senses, but, but there too, I, you know, I've just got to put an elk in my freezer and, and make sure my, my, you know, that, that we've got enough meat to, to make, I take a lot of pride in making sure that we have enough meat, enough wild game and, and natural stuff. So, so that's a big deal too, is, uh, able to put meat in the freezer and, and, uh, I'm about halfway through butchering this elk now and, and just thought I'd take a little break, get this podcast out there. I, I just wanted to let you guys know how the hunt went and, and hopefully you learn from, from this elk hunt that I had and, and enjoy the story. But yeah, I gotta, I gotta get back out and, and finish cutting up this bowl and, and, uh, get them all processed and in the freezer. But, uh, Man, I'm just so psyched. What a great end to 2016 elk season to, to be able to kill a bull like that, a nice six-point bull. So, um, but, but anyways, I, I got a couple more mule deer hunts coming up. I've got a, a mule deer hunt um, that I'm going to do. Usually go out uh, to a different part of Montana. Usually I like the eastern part of Montana, good populations. And I'll go hunt rutting, rutting mule deer with my bow during rifle season. And so this is a really fun hunt for me. So I'll plan for that. That'll come up in November. Oh, I've got a hunt coming up um, with my oldest daughter. Um, she has a deer tag. We're going to go do an adventure hunt this year. She killed her first deer last year. And then this year we're going to go out. And I think I'm going to take her to eastern Montana and do, they've got a two-day youth season in Montana. And then the, I believe the hunting season starts that weekend. And so we'd have like four days. So I think I'm going to plan to take her. We're going to tent camp and kind of camp out of the truck and, and hunt hard and see if she can kill a nice four point. Uh, it'll be, she's going to hunt with a rifle out there. And so I'm really looking forward to that. My wife has an antelope tag for our local valley here. Uh, she's going to hunt that with a rifle. And, and uh, so I've got some good family hunts coming up. And then that, 
that mule deer hunt in Montana. And then I've got a late season New Mexico mule deer tag for January. So looking forward to that. So I still got some good hunting coming up. Um, it's just amazing how fast hunting season comes and goes. You, you wait all year for it and you wait all year for your vacation. And then these days just click off and pretty soon you're done with antelope season. You're done with deer season. Now I'm done with elk season. You know, before too long, it'll be another long wait in the off season and, and uh waiting for another hunting season but it just amazes me at how fast it goes or how time flies when you're having fun right and so um you know and i the only time of year i don't run and i don't train i mean i still shoot my bow as much as i can i still shoot it nearly every day but um the only time i i don't run is during hunting season and just because i try to spend all my free time in the woods chasing critters um so uh, I'm psyched to get back on the trails and get back running. And even though you know I'm done with elk season, I got some other hunts coming up. But but I'll you know I'll probably do a run tonight and I'll just start getting back into it. And uh, you know being being in shape for for bow hunting is a year round endeavor for me. And I'm just always working to be better and be in the best shape I can be. And so yeah, I'm I'm uh, what am I one two days done with my elk hunt and I'm already back on the trail training you know that's uh that's what drives me I just love living the the bow hunting lifestyle and I I love working hard to my towards my goals and and uh, reaching my goal like this this and reaching the pinnacle and shooting a nice bull with my bow just makes me realize how uh, how much I enjoy it and how important it is to me and and how much I enjoy being successful and enjoy being able to push my limits and do so many miles and exertion and and still be up every day and I, I I love playing the game. I love analyzing stocks and and what I can do different and what I can do better. I, I just love being in the game. Um, uh, so so constantly working. I mean that's that's the key to my success. You know, is it's constantly going for it and working. And I told you guys before, persistence is the biggest key to my success. And and that was no different on this hunt. It would have been easy to give in or not wake up on time or not hike in in the dark or, you know, any of these things. And, and that would have equaled me not killing a bull. Uh, the only reason I killed that bull is because I kept going for it. I kept pushing those miles every single day. I kept being up before light every single day. I kept hiking in in the dark. I kept believing in my shooting and believing in my skills and believing every elk I spotted I could kill and that that really was the the key to this hunt just like it's the key to to most my hunts so um thanks for tuning in guys I really appreciate it uh you guys have been giving me a lot of great reviews on iTunes and and uh my download numbers are are always growing there's always more people finding it and and uh, the guys that have been listening seem to keep downloading episodes and I'm just so psyched at how this thing's uh how this podcast is doing and and it's going to be a slow grow and uh you know it's just like hunting's a learning process I think this podcasting is a learning process and and uh it's been great you guys have been giving me a lot of topics to talk about and and i'm starting to pick up more guests that i think you guys will will want to hear about and so i'm just going to continue i think i'm eight days from the last one but i'm going to continue to try to get one out a week and and even if i can i think i may fit in two this week i've got this buddy of mine that i did his podcast uh archery maniacs um, his name's Zach. He's he's a real good guy and a hardcore bow hunter. He just loves to go for it. So I think we'll do a podcast together and then record it together and, and put it out on both of our platforms um, for you guys. And so should be some good conversations in that. I always have good conversations with him. But I you know I'm just going to continue to work at this deal and it's it's not a big money maker for me. It's it's all out of pocket. In fact, I don't make a dollar from it. You know it's um 
it, it's uh, if anything I'm just spending money to be on these different platforms and get all the gear I need and just to get it out there but you know I think eventually if I keep working at it I keep getting better um, you know guys keep enjoying the information that I'm putting out there that it it may grow into something you know something where you know not that I'd make a killing or anything like that but it it's always nice if you can make money at your passion and make a little bit more money at bow hunting and promise everything I make will go right back into bow hunting somewhere in some form or fashion <laughs> that's just the the way I work so um, but but thanks again guys I, I can't tell you how much the support means to me you know both on on the podcast and the reviews and then and then also the social media that that just keeps growing for me um, it just I can't believe how many guys are out there that are blue collar guys that are really hungry to get better hungry to keep gaining information and improve their game and so I just want to continue to get you guys out real information that's gonna that's gonna help you out there so um, anyways till next time um you guys hunt hard and and uh keep after it and uh, man i just love to see all the posts on instagram and uh, all the positivity too you know somebody harvests something you know there's hardly any negative everybody's so positive encouraging guys and i just love to see that in our sport uh the encouragement and and love to see you guys working hard out there so uh tag me in a post if you guys harvest something or if you guys got a a killer shot i'd love to see it and and of course any any ideas are welcome on the podcast you know if if you got a good idea for one and want to be a guest, you know, hit me up. And, and you got a good idea you want to hear me talk about, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of guys. I just had a guy hit me up that that really wants to kill a trophy mule deer and wants to work harder at it. And so I think I'll do an episode, you know, on on trophy mule deer and and locate more of those. But uh, I'm constantly writing down ideas, constantly getting better. And, and, and now I'm just constantly blabbering on to you guys as I've talked for the last 10 minutes about the podcast, but, but I just wanted to let you guys know how much I appreciate it. So, uh, all right, guys, uh, hunt hard. We'll talk to you soon.